morning, church family. Good morning. Please be seated. It is so good to be with you this morning. Turn with me, if you would, in your Bible to Ephesians chapter 4. I do want to talk to you about serving one Lord and what that means for your life. You guys got to uh, bless baby Kirby Jane Taylor this morning. And her dad, Grant Taylor, is a friend of mine. Something you may not have known about Grant and I is we are coaching what could very likely turn out to be a championship peewee football team. And I'd like you to give Grant a round of applause for that. While you're turning to Ephesians 4, I want to tell you two things that are true about coaching uh, peewee football that I've learned from watching uh, Mr. Grant Taylor. Okay, the first is you do not have to be a great peewee football coach to be a great dad. You don't have to do it. Grant's not a great peewee football coach, but I've watched this guy in action. He is a really, really good dad. Uh, The second thing I want to say is to even tolerate coaching peewee football, you have got to be totally surrendered to the one Lord, our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Can I get an amen on that, Grant? So before practice, uh, Grant probably, and I know I certainly have to say, Lord, this is all all you. This is not me. We need these kids to behave differently than a herd of cats running around out in the woods, you know. And God, I believe, is answering that prayer. All right, Ephesians chapter 4, verses 1 through 6. I've got this on the screen for you. I want you to have fun today in the Lord. This is going to be straightforward and simple. I want you to walk away from here encouraged this morning. Let's read God's Word together. The Bible says this. As a prisoner for the Lord, then I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. There is one body and one Spirit, just as you were called, to one hope when you were called. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all. And in all, I read these verses, Mike and I have been studying this specific text, and that phrase, one Lord, really spoke to my heart over the past couple of weeks. And I thought to myself, what is it really that changes when we make Jesus the Lord and Savior of our life? That's a question I've got for you on the screen. What, what really happens when Jesus becomes Lord of your life? Think about it on these terms. When you get you a new vehicle, whether it's brand new or new to you, what's the first thing you do? We get the owner's manual out. We read it from cover to cover so we know how to effectively operate the vehicle. And then slowly we start, no, man, that ain't how none of us do it. We get the keys, we put that baby in the ignition, turn it over, and we're rolling, right? Lots of us don't take time to read the owner's manual thoroughly before we get into a vehicle and start driving. And the same thing happens with baptism. So often after our baptism, we don't take time to consider really what happens now that Jesus Christ is Lord of my life. I want to share with you three things. The first thing that happens when Jesus Christ is Lord and Savior of your life, you get a brand new spirit. You get a brand new spirit. This is Galatians chapter 2 and verse 20. This is my bride's favorite Bible verse. Paul is talking to a church and he says, look, church, this is what happens when the Lord Jesus becomes the one Lord of your life. This is what happened in his life. He says, I was crucified with Christ. 
And yet I still live. But it's not me who lives, it's Christ that's living in me. So the life I now live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself up for me. I was born in the mid-80s. And right, right around like 1990, 91, and 92, I start watching TV, and Gatorade just had developed this new marketing strategy with this superstar basketball player. His name was Michael Jordan. And the ad, the whole catchphrase in the ad was, I want to be like, some of you other 80s kids say that with me, be like Mike, be like Mike. And all we had to do, (laughs) Mike Kellen's up here saying amen, ladies and gentlemen, in case you couldn't hear him from the back. So the purpose of the of the ad campaign was if you just drink some Gatorade, you could be like Mike. I thought to myself, when we really understand that it is the spirit that resurrected Christ from the dead that is living in us, it gives us the chance to be like Christ. We really have the opportunity to be like Christ. And when we are living like Christ, we get the chance to be the man or the woman that God created us to be. We get to live our best life. And that changes us in three ways. I've got these on the screen. And I'm taking these from Ephesians 4 and Philippians 2. The three ways this changes us. The first is it changes our actions. Uh, Ephesians 4.22 says you've got to put your old self off. You've got to take it off like an old nasty coat or a gym shirt you've been wearing way too long. You've got to take that off and you've got to behave differently. And that happens because we decide to do different actions and the spirit that lives within us gives us the power to carry that out. We resolve to live differently in terms of how we act and the new spirit that lives within us gives us the power to act differently. The question you've got to ask yourself is, is this the kind of behavior I used to do before I made the Lord Jesus Christ Savior of my life? And if it is, we've got to resolve to act differently. It also changes my thoughts. What is it that consumes my mind on a day-to-day basis? Right now, if I'm being totally honest, it's how much time do I have between now and the next time I have to coach a six-year-old peewee football practice or coach a six-year-old peewee football game. And I'm praying for rain, usually during the seasons where that's supposed to occur. Grant, can I get an amen? I promise you, that's me being totally candid. we got to be renewed in our mind. This is a major theme in the New Testament. What happens as we have made Jesus Lord of our life, it changes our thinking. And it's less self-centered types of thoughts and more Christ-centered or other-centered types of thoughts. And again, church, this is something you have to purpose in your heart to change. God's not going to force you to do it. You make the decision to do it. And it's the spirit that he gives to live inside of us that gives us the power to carry it out. Also, our attitude changes. This also changes our attitude. Philippians chapter 2 talks about us having the literal mindset of the Lord Jesus Christ. His actual attitude. And what is his attitude? It's, it's, to, it's to serve, not to be served. It's not to finish first. It's to finish the very last. It's not to be greatest, but to be the very least. And you're going to find this tension within yourself in in these three areas. 
there's going to be a part of you that wants to behave like the old self because it's what you've known. It's what feels familiar. And in life, so often, that way feels like it's easiest. But in the long run, if you'll learn to live like Jesus, what you'll find is it's much simpler and much easier and leads to much more satisfaction. And it's required if you want victory because of the second thing that changes. You get a target on your back when you make the Lord Jesus Christ the Lord and Savior of your life. You, be, you get targeted. I've got this on the screen for you. This is from 1 Peter chapter 5 and verse 8. Let me read this to you. The Bible says, be alert and of sober mind. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. The second you are raised up to walk in new life as a born again, baptized believer in Jesus, the enemy puts a target on your back. And he wants, he, he wants to and he will stop at nothing to destroy your faith and your relationship with the one Lord, the Lord Jesus Christ. I like this text because if you keep reading, you you get to see the difference that making Jesus Christ Lord of your life has in your life. I've got this on the screen for you too. Uh, The Lord is going to help you do some things as a result of this war that you're in. The first thing that happens, and I want to read this text for you, is that you get to resist the devil. You, you learn that you have the power to do that. And that's what Peter says. Resist the devil and stand firm in the faith because you know that the family of believers throughout the world is undergoing the same kind of sufferings. And the God of peace will, after you have suffered for a while himself, restore you and make you strong. You resist the enemy. And God will empower you to do that. And you stand firm, which God also empowers. And then something profound happens. You're still going to suffer. If you resist the enemy and you stand firm, that doesn't mean in life you're not going to suffer. That doesn't mean in war there won't be any casualties. That doesn't mean in war you won't experience any pain or any agony or any injury. The Bible never says that. You're going to suffer. But the power of God... And God's word tell us that the suffering won't last forever. First Peter chapter 5 and verse 10 says, After, these are such beautiful words, you have suffered a little while, God himself will do two things. He will restore you and he will make you strong. This this illustrates and emphasizes a very powerful biblical principle that God has designed you to be strengthened through suffering. God's designed you to be strengthened through suffering. So if you're going through a trial right now, and the valley seems deep and dark, or the nights lasted long, or it feels like you're alone, you need to remember the truth that God never promised that you wouldn't have suffering, but he always promised it would be temporary and that through your suffering, he would make you stronger so that before the suffering and after the suffering, you become more like the God, like the man or woman our God has designed you to be. And the more you live that life, your best life, your true life, the more you're going to find purpose and satisfaction and meaning in life. I promise your your restoration is coming and that your suffering 
is temporary and that your victory in Christ, church, is guaranteed. The next thing you get is a church to support you. You get a new spirit to live in you. You get targeted and you get a church to support you when you make the Lord Jesus Christ the Lord of your life. This is Romans chapter 1 and verse 12. The apostle Paul is writing and says, I look forward to when we are going to get together because I want to encourage you in your faith. And not only that, I want to be encouraged by your faith. So there's a time in my life when I was really battling sinfulness and brokenness, experienced drug addiction, was in eight different, uh, was in treatment eight different times, uh, lived homeless, and really depended on other people during certain seasons of my life to keep me going. And this is illustrated really, really well in a, in a movie, a series of movies called The Lord of the Rings. And I thought before I taught this, I would ask for a show of hands, how many have ever seen The Lord of the Rings? So, may, Okay, yeah, good. Praise the Lord. All right. So you'll get, the, you'll get the illustration. I thought, man, if over half of the audience hadn't seen it, this illustration is just going to crash and burn. Okay, so here's the premise. There is a ring that people think is giving them power that is actually destroying them. And it's a really good metaphor for sin. So often when we're caught up in sin, we think it's satisfying. We think it's pleasing. We think it's giving us power. And the opposite is true. It's actually poisoning us and destroying us. And so the whole premise of the movie is that the person who has the ring has to destroy the ring. And the catch is, this person cannot destroy the ring, and for the purposes of my sermon today, I would say the sin in his life, without the support of what they call the fellowship of the ring. And uh, in my office, I have a, 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 a sword hanging that's the sword of the guy who kind of leads the fellowship. And so this idea is that, that throughout life, you should move from the person who's going to destroy the ring, the sin in your life, to the person who protects the ring bearers and helps them destroy the sin in their life. And it's a really cool picture of the church. The church is a place where people gather who have brokenness and sinfulness in their life that they surrender to the Lord Jesus Christ and through baptism can completely destroy the hold sin has on them. And that's possible because Jesus came to this earth and lived a perfect, sinless life and was crucified and beaten and scourged for all of our sin. He was buried for three days. He was resurrected. And there is coming a day where he will return to take his children home. And between now and that day, we fellowship together and lean in on each other and encourage one another so that we can do what we've been called to do in this life on this planet, which is really not the planet or the life we've been designed for. And what we need right now is this same kind of fellowship. There are four areas of fellowship that we get to experience in the church that is, that is by God ordained and designed to encourage and uplift us and help sustain us in the life that we're living. The first fellowship you get by connecting with your church family is the encouraging fellowship of sharing. This is from Titus chapter 1 and verse 8. And Paul is, is writing here and says, we need to be a hospitable people. 
Part of the function of the church is to be hospitable, to encourage one another with sharing, to take what we've got and give it to someone in need, to invite someone into our home, to love people who are hard to love, to show grace to those who maybe don't deserve it or are hard to show grace to. That's the type of fellowship we need to experience in our churches. And it's not only the fellowship of sharing, it's also the fellowship of studying. You do have an instruction manual for life. Either you brought a physical copy or you got one on your phone or somebody you know has one. If you'll put this book to practice in your life, you'll find that your life is transformed. Have you ever noticed, I was thinking about this, that car people seem to always know who other car people are? And when car people get together, they're always talking about cars. And they're using terms that I don't understand. So sometimes, I'm not a car guy, so sometimes I'll jump into that, uh, you know, uh, discussion. I'll say, yeah, you know, I, I just recalibra- recalibrated my flux capacitor to 1.21 gigawatts. And for a second, they're like, maybe there's something about cars I don't know. And then they realize, no, there's nothing about cars I don't know. Um, and then they realize, I don't know anything about cars. I just know some 80s movie trivia. But we, we, we need to get together with that kind of an atmosphere, man. We need to be joyful that we, we have the instruction manual to life and we can encourage and uplift one another by fellowshipping in a way that allows us to more deeply study this manual. We also get to do the fellowship of serving. There are places to serve right here in this local church. And God is calling you into that. If the Lord Jesus Christ is the Lord of your life, he's called you to share, he's called you to study, and he has called you to serve. And sometimes the reason we don't feel as connected to the one Lord as we did at the point of our baptism is we have not really been putting in sweat equity to serving God's people, to to the fellowship of service. And I want to challenge you to to respond to what I believe is the move of God in your life that's compelling you, that's motivating you to get involved through serving. That's Galatians 5.13. We should serve one another humbly in love. The last ministry of fellowship that the church is designed to accomplish is the fellowship of suffering. Galatians chapter 6 and verse 2 says this. We should carry each other's burdens, and in this way, you will fulfill the law of Christ. Now, that phrase, the law of Christ, is interesting because Jesus made statements in the New Testament like, I have come to fulfill the law. And I've asked myself, you know, what what really is the law of Christ? And here it is, just as simply as I could put it, it's the law of love. And if you ask me to rank these areas of fellowship in order of of most superficial to deepest, I would say that sharing is probably the most superficial. It's not hard to go out to eat with somebody or or to give to someone in need. And I think a little bit deeper maybe is studying. We're going to have to share some opinions and beliefs and start to interpret some things. I think that's a little bit deeper. I think serving is even deeper. It requires maybe effort that I feel like I don't have the strength to give, or time that I feel like I don't have. And the very deepest level of fellowship, I believe, is suffering. 
where we get so intimately connected that I really can understand the burden that you're carrying. And I can offer to help carry it with you. And it is only through the ministry of the fellowship of suffering together, I believe, that we're going to overcome some of the trials and tribulations and tests that come our way because of the target that's on our back as a result of us being indwelt by God's Spirit. I was talking to someone earlier this week. I'm going to mention this story and then I'm going to close. And if I, if I told you every single test or trial this person has been through in the last couple of years, it would overwhelm you just to hear about it. And I was talking to this person I just thought, man, Lord, how can I help? Uh, death in the family, major medical illness, battling stuff, you know, in, in relationships and feeling disconnected and just isolated. And, and I thought to myself, you know what? We live in a cursed world. Because of the sin of Adam. And Romans 8 talks about this cursed world being so cursed that all of creation is just groaning and wailing and moaning because of the pain of this curse. And I think that means two things. The first thing to me that that means is if there is not something going on in your life that makes you groan a little bit, that just feels heavy then you're fooling yourself. I don't believe there's a a way to live on this earth and not feel the, the effects of that sin curse. Then you're cheating yourself out of a fellowship that God has designed you to lean into. And the first thing maybe you can do about that, as I'm closing right now, is to decide, you know what, I'm going to get really honest this morning. And I'm going to come forward and I'm going to be candid with somebody about what is going on in my life. And I'm going to lean into this fellowship and I'm going to allow my burdens to be carried by someone who can encourage me so that at some point I might can encourage them and admit to yourself, man, this is what I was designed for. If you'll do that, I promise you, the life you live under the Lordship of Jesus will make so much more sense. Let's bow. Precious Heavenly Father, I come before you this morning just so grateful uh, for the chance to study your word. So grateful that you sent your Son, our Lord Jesus Christ, to live a perfect sinless life, be crucified, buried, and three days later rise so that our sins could be forgiven, so that we could have an eternity to live in heaven with you and Jesus in your glory, God. I just ask any who are here this morning that need to get in better fellowship with one another through sharing or or service or studying God or, or more importantly through suffering would be empowered to do that and they would walk from this place encouraged and changed by your Spirit. We love you, Lord, and we, we thank you. We ask all these things in the name of our Lord Jesus. Amen. Please stand with me while together we sing.